0: The Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, College of Cross fans? You're watching episode number 271 of the Lax Factor Podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost, and today we're going to preview uh, week one's games, including Duke, Bellarmine, Penn State, Colgate, Hopkins, and whoever the hell they're playing. Let's see here. Hopkins and Denver, which is going to be one of the, the big games of the weekend here. We'll talk about Maryland, Richmond, Vermont, Syracuse, Georgetown, Loyola, Lehigh, Rutgers, Utah, Ohio State, and then we'll kind of get into a little bit more here. As always, before I get into everything here, be sure to like, subscribe, share the show with your friends, make sure people know what I'm doing here, and you can go to laxfactor.com and support us that way. You can either watch our videos there or you can buy some swag, everything from uh, beer mugs to t-shirts and so on. So go to laxfactor.com, and you can also watch all of our videos there as well. So do that, and I will thank you. And uh, now I'm going to shut up here, and we're going to dive into the previews here and start talking about these games. Now, the first game I'm going to talk about, and I'll try to just go through the top uh, the top 20 and discuss all the teams that are in the top 20 that are playing along with who they're playing with here. So first game, duke Bellerman. Now, to be up front here, Duke's going to roll. In this game here, but I think one thing people are used to seeing is that Bellerman generally isn't very good. And I think that's going to be the difference here this year. Bellerman brings back Kyle Plastead, uh, the ace on preseason player of the year. One of the best attackmen in the country here. He's actually very highly ranked. I forget offhand here. I'm not completely ready to start publishing my lax factor uh, player rankings, offensive player rankings yet, specific to attack. But he's in the top seven despite the number of turnovers that he had a year ago. He put up 40 goals, 39 helpers. He was 41.2% shooting. A very efficient threat and someone that you have to cover at all times because he's proficient in man up, man down. Or, well, man up, and you know, if they get a break on man down, he'll score a goal too. Uh, He'll score some game winners. The guy is a threat at all times here. They also have Benny O'Rourke back for one final run. He was 40 and 20 a season ago. Uh, Defensively, JC Hagenbottom is back in cage. He stopped 51.1% of his shots a season ago and posted a 9 and 5 record as a starter. Now, with Duke, you know the deal. Brendan O'Neill, he was 55-42 and 42 last year, the Tawartan winner. Dyson Williams is also back on attack. He had 60 goals a season ago, and now we also have Andrew McAdory back. So all three... All-American caliber attackmen are back for Duke. They also bring back on offense Denenza, uh, Balsamo, the young kid midfielder, uh, transfer from Princeton, Alex Flusher, and Josh Zawada from Michigan. So both of those guys were attackmen a year ago. They'll figure to run uh, midfield for the Blue Devils here. Just a, an embarrassment of riches all over, including on defense. Kenny Brower's back, potential defender of the year, uh, one of the best cover guys, if not the best cover guy in the country. I put him right up there with Ajax Zepatello from Maryland, and uh, he's as solid as they come. Athletic, mean, and crazy, uh, crazy physical. Uh, They also bring back Tyler Carpenter, rabbit of an LSM. He can take the ball away, roam the field, mix it up. He could play LSM and down close if they really needed him to. Um, They bring back uh, Boyer. He started 16 and 19 games a year ago. Another physical presence on defense. And then transfer goalkeeper Griffin uh, Rackauer from Princeton. He actually was a a good goalie last year. He just ended up sitting behind the kid that Princeton ended up playing through the remainder of the year. But Rackauer started their first five games. He posted a 57% save percentage. He ended up losing the gig, though, and he ends up at Duke. So that gives them stability in cage. Once again, they use the transfer portal to add talent to their roster uh, in terms of grabbing a goalie. So you put all of that together, Duke has pretty much Everyone back that that really really matters, and then they filled holes where they had to as well. Uh, so I don't think this game going to be close, but I do expect Bellerman to put up a solid show, and I like them to maybe even get up to eight to ten goals in this game here overall. Uh, but the problem is going to be even with their eight to ten goal output, they're going to have a very difficult time keeping Duke under twenty. So I'm taking Duke at minus at a at, uh, at uh, um, minus eleven. I think that Duke's going to be able to beat to, to win this game by. Uh, 12, 13, maybe even 14 goals when all is said and done. And that sounds crazy because I'll, I'll I'll still say that I think Bellarmine will put up a respectable fight, but they're going to slow burn this Duke Well, I think, to a big win. Now, the problem with Duke is sometimes they don't try to beat the pants off teams and they will maybe sub early and often, especially in these early tune-up games. So that could play into this. I'm still taking Duke uh, as an 11-goal favorite because I think they're going to cover this overall. So that's the Duke game. Let's move on. We're going to talk about Penn State and uh, Colgate here. And – Penn State, they have some uh, questions to answer offensively. They lose Jack Trainer. You know, he was kind of tied to the DNA of this program. The Nittany, and you're going to see that a lot. A lot of teams have lost guys that have been there for seemingly forever, and Trainers one of them. Uh, the Nittany Lions were number three in the country in defensive efficiency last season. Now, that was a huge reason they made the run that they did. And offensively, I think they had some guys that played a little bit better than they thought they were going to. The midfielder there from uh, Binghamton comes to mind. Uh, and with some of the turnover from a year ago, I just don't see them being able to sustain that high of defensive play. Uh, for Asian back in cage, that's certainly going to help. But that number four ranking in terms of defensive efficiency, I think that's – or the number four ranking that I gave them even. I believe that was where I put Penn State on my, my vote for the poll. I think that's a little high. I think that we're going to see Penn State not fall off in terms of the general landscape, but I do feel like Maryland is a little bit better this year than a year ago. So I think we might see Maryland frog jump Penn State a little bit. Hopkins, I think, is probably a little bit better than Penn State this year. So while I do not want to count them out, I do think their number four ranking is a little high. I figure they, they'll probably hang in the top 10 somewhere between 10 and 6 overall uh, in this game they're going to win. I I don't feel great about the margin here. Uh, Vegas has this has Penn State at uh, nine and a half goal favorites. I don't feel good about them winning the game by 10 goals, but I feel like a 15 to four score is very reasonable and possible. I think it's realistic. So I'm going to take Penn State as nine and a half goal favorites. I, I don't think they're going to give up more than like six or seven goals to Colgate, and I just don't think I don't think Colgate's going to be able to keep Penn State under eighteen on the day. I think Penn State, and especially because I think Penn State has some work to do offensively, so I think they're going to get that work in before they get into some of their tougher uh, tougher opponents here. So I'm taking Penn State at nine and a half. Um, we have Hopkins and Denver next. That's number thirteen, Denver against number five, Hopkins. This one should go down as one of the better games of the weekend, or it looks like it will on paper, but I have a small feeling uh, that Hopkins could get ahead in this and win by more than seven goals. As I said last week, Hopkins, they get their top 11 scores back from a season ago. They return the core of their defense. They bring in transfer Chase Erlin in hopes that he can add some much-needed stability Um With a little side of leadership uh, for that defense here. Now, Denver, they're going to be dealing with figuring things out as well. They got a new head coach, new coordinators, you know, potentially some new systems, although I think system-wise, the continuity will probably be there for them, Um, but and, and on top of it, they bring back the bulk of their offensive scoring power. I just don't think that their top 11 scores, which they actually bring back as well, is equal to what Hopkins brings back. And I like Hopkins' defense a little bit better. I like Erlin and Cage a little bit better. So all, across the board, for the most part, I like Hopkins better. Now, uh, J.J. Hillstrop, or Silstrop, he's back. He was 36-5 a year ago. He'll anchor that attack with Noah Manning, 22-15. and 15. Michael Lampert, 19-18. and 18. Richie Connell is back, 16-18 and 18 a year ago go. So they do have a lot of really solid pieces here. I just think that Hopkins has more solid pieces. Now, defensively for Denver, Jack Benedetto is back 14 cost turnovers, AJ Mercurio back seven uh, cost turnovers, three goals, Jimmy Freehill. Nine cause turnovers. So I mean, they have the core of their defense back as well. Where I, what I don't like about Denver is they have issues in cage. So whatever uh, Alex Stathakis can give them at the faceoff dot in terms of win, he wins. He won sixty point one percent of his faceoffs last year. Put up three goals in a dish. Also, I think whatever he gains them in this game in Hopkins, they're they're not formidable but proficient at the dot. I think Stathakis will win the Lions' share of the draws somewhere to the tune of maybe 60% of the draws on the day. I just think that the lack of consistency that Denver's had in cage could come back to haunt them. Uh, So given that the line Hopkins is a three-goal favorite here, I like Hopkins to cover. Uh, I think Denver's going to hang, but I think Hopkins overall will just slow burn this to, to maybe four, five, six goals by the end, if not more. Even with Stathakis probably winning sixty percent of the the uh, face-offs in this one. Next one we're going to talk about is uh, number six Maryland against number twenty Richmond. Now Richmond they get back Lance Madonna, Dalton Young, uh, Madonna twenty-nine and seventeen a year ago, Dalton Young thirty-two and forty-one, both back. Overall they bring back five of their top six scorers, um, so that's tough as well. And they bring back their keeper and Jack Fabian. Uh, they never fail. They never fall too far even when they have to kind of restock a little bit, which they kind of have to do this season. Uh, they, and that's mainly because they win the games they're supposed to win. They're going to play a tough schedule. They're going to hang and play impressive games against the top opponents, but they're they're generally going to win the games they're supposed to win when it comes to conference play and those some of those lesser non-conference foes. Now, with that said... This Maryland team could be dangerous. Now, the offensive system that they've played in over the last two seasons has resulted in one of the most efficient offensive teams we've seen, especially in that national title winning season. Last season, they fell off a bit. They they lacked that big cat to, that could own that number one uh, uh, offensive spot, both as a jersey and literally. And and we know this because they've given the number one to defenders the last two seasons. Makar wore it a year ago. Ajax Zapatello will wear it this year. Um, but despite that, their offensive, has, they've actually overachieved the, the, the national championship winning season. One of the best offensive showings we've ever seen without a true number one Dodger that could be a threat and make things happen offensively. They just made shit happen as an entire team. I think this year uh, we we have uh, Eric Maliver back from injury. We know Braden Urquza now can run all over defenders, and he can be that number one dodging threat. Logan McNaney back in cage for the Terps. And despite losing both John Gepper and Brett Makar on the defensive side, I love Ajax Zapatello and what they're doing down low and getting McNaney back in that leadership and that that kind of injection of Just having your starter back, a a national championship winning goalie, goes down at the beginning of last season and never gets to play. Having him back, I think, is going to be a big boost to that defense. And this one, I'm taking Maryland uh, as the six-point favorite, despite the fact I like Richmond. I think Richmond has a very good chance of winning their conference tournament again uh, and getting back into the tournament, but I like Maryland better. I think they handle their business. I think they win this game by a margin. Uh, So, you know, that's all that I have to say about that. And I think that Maryland will end up in the top five by the end of the year. I think Maryland has put it back together again, and you're going to see them have a really good season this year. Next one we are going to talk about is Syracuse and Vermont. Now, this game was close a season ago, 7-5 in favor of Cuse at the Dome. I wish I could have said that the reason Syracuse struggled last year was because of face-offs, but in reality, Tommy Burke, he won 56% of his draws in this one. So Richie USA, he goes for 44%. That's actually a pretty solid outing for Richie USA compared to what he did the remainder of the season. Now, the issue on this day uh, when they went 7-5 with Vermont was Spelina, I think he went like 0 for 13 shooting or something like that in this game. Uh, overall, Syracuse just played really poorly. Uh, the Catamounts goalkeeper, Matt Schaefer, who is now gone, he stopped 70% of the shots he faced for the Catamounts. Now, thank God for Will Mark last year because he stopped 72% of the shots he faced for Syracuse. If Will Mark doesn't stand on his head, Kuse loses this game last year to Vermont. Uh, that didn't happen, though. Schaefer was really good, just not quite as good as Mark was. Syracuse won the game. Schaefer's gone. Uh, I think the Syracuse offense is, is much better than a season ago. Midfield-wise, they can go for days. Attack is going to be very formidable. Defensively, they're improved. At the dot, they're improved. Uh, so I think Syracuse is going to roll in this one. I will be in attendance at this game. Uh, um, so yeah, six-goal favorite uh, Syracuse is. I'm taking them as the six-goal favorite. I think that they're going to win by a margin of eight or more goals, and it could even be a bloodbath. We shall see how that goes. Next one we are going to talk about here is uh, number 12, Georgetown against Loyola. Now, I'm surprised they have the Hoyas as a four-goal favorite in this one. Loyola, always a formidable team. Georgetown lost a ton of offensive talent. Now, they they do bring back Bundy Jr., Haley. They bring in a couple of uh, transfers. Uh, who is it? Is it, is it Slusher? I forget which Princeton player they brought in here, but... Uh, Still, they have a ton of offensive talent that they lost. They lo- lose their goalkeeper, so they're starting a freshman in net. They have a ton of things to figure out on both sides of the field. Yo- Loyola. Uh, is the four is a four goal underdog? I'm taking Loyola as the four four goal underdog. I think they're going to win, or I think they're going to lose this game. I think Georgetown does squeak out a win, but I think this comes right down to the wire, and I think that Loyola is going to cover the spread, despite the fact I believe that they'll probably lose this game. But once again, this is another one upset alert. Here we got a ranked team against an unranked team, and Loyola is going to be hungry. Loyola is at home. Loyola hates fellow dog mascotted team Georgetown. So, I think Loyola is going to cover. I think they'll lose, but I would not be surprised to see Loyola pull off a win in this game even though I think that it'll go to Georgetown ever so slightly. Uh the next one we are going to talk about is Lehigh and Rutgers. Lehigh at Rutgers. Rutgers coming in at number 15. Now Rutgers brings back everyone on offense from a season ago except for Brian Cameron. Uh so offensively they're going to be fine. Defensively, three new starters. The issue for Lehigh is that even though Rutgers may be a bit down compared to previous years, they too are dealing with the loss of some serious talent uh, at the both attack at faceoff. Dot you name it, they're they're hurting overall. Uh, Actually, are they losing? Did Sisselberg? I think Sisselberger is gone, right? Sisselberger. It was a. yeah. Okay. So they did. I'm not crazy. They did lose Sisselberger as well. So yeah, I think Lehigh has a lot to figure out. I think Rutgers offensively is going to be very good. I think that Lehigh is going to hang a little bit in this game. Rutgers is a four and a half goal favorite. So I'm taking Rutgers as the four and a half goal favorite. I don't love it. Uh, I think Lehigh is tough and could hang. I just think Rutgers is good enough offensively to kind of slow burn this be- to beyond the spread and for them to cover. So that's what we're going with. I don't know how that one's going to turn out for me here. Next one is Utah and Ohio State. Now, this could be a sneaky game for Ohio State. This is kind of my upset alert here because when you look at the rosters, Ohio State loses their entire identity from a season ago or from the last four seasons. Jack Myers has been the man uh, for the Buckeyes for a while offensively. Seems like he's been playing there since I was a wee lad. Utah brings back everyone on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Ryan Steins, he could be the real deal offensively for Utah. Defensively, they get their goalie back. They get their starting poles back. So overall, Utah has a very good squad. They they, They made the tournament a season ago, and this season, hey, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they can do because I think that they could actually improve upon what they did a season ago. My only caveat for Utah, and it's specific to this game, is that even though I think that Utah could pull an upset on Ohio State, the reason I don't think they will and the reason I think that Ohio State's still going to cover as a two-and-a-half goal favorite is at the faceoff dot. Tommy Burke comes into Ohio State from Vermont, so Ohio State ends up with an All-American-level faceoff guy, and Utah has nobody. Uh, to answer to answer that call, I don't think against Burke, so I think that Utah's going to put up a valiant effort, but their face-off woes are going to hurt them, and Ohio State's going to cover that two and a half point spread. Um, I don't feel great about it. Because we see a lot of times teams can overcome face-off woes and still just play well as if it didn't. The face-off didn't even happen. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this one go right down to the wire. But I, I do like Ohio State mostly because of Tommy Burke and their defense. That's terrible for me to not throw in throw out. Also that they they do return um, some really solid defenders as well uh, on the Ohio State side. It's just I think Tommy Burke is going to be the X factor in this one. Now, if we kind of start to go through and we look at the rest of the games that I didn't talk about, we have High Point and Mercer kicking everything off at 11 a.m. Saturday. Uh, I already talked about Duke Bellarmine. Uh, I, I like High Point over Mercer. High Point looked really good in the fall. They looked really good so far from what I've heard in the spring. So I think High Point's going to wax Mercer. VMI Cleveland State, flip a coin on that one. I'm going with VMI. I don't know why, home team. Uh, we talked about, and then Navy, Mount St. Mary's. Obviously, I'm going with Navy in this one, but the Mount has been tough and they're pesky and they are a rival. I'm going with Navy, but Mount the Mount could play tough. We have Merrimack and Bucknell taking Bucknell in that bad boy. Hofstra and Wagner, we're going with Hofstra. St. John's, New Jersey Tech. St. John's, Air Force, Marquette. I'm going with Marquette. I think Marquette could actually have a put a uh, put a really good season together here. And then we have Sunday's games that I didn't talk about. Uh, Mercer and Hampton. We'll go with Mercer on that one. Sacred Heart, Stony Brook. I'm definitely taking Stony Brook. I think Stony Brook will have a could potentially have a very good team again. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, Providence over. Holy Cross and then Syracuse has a quick turnaround I'll talk about this one Sunday here but they, they play Colgate uh, on Monday they're going to wax Colgate Syracuse should be 3 and0 heading into the Maryland game the following weekend so I'll be I'll be at the Vermont game um, this Saturday I will be at the Maryland game on what is that the 17th or the 18th in a couple of weekends uh, thanks to Alex Weisner giving me his season tickets here for the um, the the uh, Vermont game. So I I, I actually didn't realize that he was giving them away for free. So when I hit him up saying, hey, I'd take those tickets, I was expecting to pay for them, but to pay about – $20 20 to $25 less than I would have had to pay if I bought them from Ticketmaster and then had to pay for parking. I figured he's got season tickets. He's got a parking pass. I assumed I was going to end up paying about 100 bucks all in for it compared to maybe 125 So I was like thinking, hey, that'll be a good deal. I'll take that. And then it turns out he was giving them away to whoever, and I was the lucky guy to get them. So uh, thank you to him for that. And um, that's it, guys. It's a uh, Thursday morning here. I'm tempted at times to maybe stream this come... Uh, Stream this Thursday evenings uh, so that I don't have to like cut it up and all that crap in the morning. It's easy to just hop on here, talk about it, and be done with it. So, uh, like I said, though, this Saturday, first weekend of games here, I am going to stream Sunday's show. So, Sunday's uh, recap of the weekend's games, I'm going to stream that live at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So, be sure to hit YouTube up. I'll actually probably stream it to both Twitter and YouTube at the same time. And then down the road, as I'm able to stream to other platforms, I'll I'll work that into the rotation. But, yeah, I'm going to start. I believe I'm going to live stream that Sunday show uh, through the whole season. We'll see how it goes here early on. But I might even do that with this show here. Uh, we were messing around with Saturday morning live stream, so I might do that Saturday morning. Uh, or I may just hop on and join Chris Jezorowski's, however the hell you pronounce his last name. Uh, I may just join his Twitter. He does a Twitter live Uh, Every Saturday morning, and a bunch of lacrosse talking heads and randos hop on and discuss it. So I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do my own thing come Saturday morning, or if I'm just going to join his and uh, you know start sipping on beers uh, early. Actually, I won't be sipping on beers this weekend, this Saturday, because I got to go to the dome for a four o'clock game. It's going to ruin my whole flow here. So that's it, guys. I just wanted to talk about the games that we have playing here, other things that I will be doing soon. We'll uh, include, I'm putting out the attack ranking system, and as soon as I get that put up and we start tabulating data for the top 20 attackmen, I'm going to uh, change those numbers a little bit to account for midfielders, and I'm going to put midfielder ratings up. Defense, Defensive ratings, I'm just not going to be able to do, I've decided. Uh, the problem's going to become just we don't have enough stats that they keep for defenders in the sport of lacrosse to make it really meaningful. Uh, So it would all have to be weighted with a little bit of stupid judgment. And my attack rankings, there is zero judgment played into it. It is formulas that I've put together to cover a couple of different aspects of the game. And the whole goal, before I get into it and tell you guys all what the rankings are, the goal of this isn't to say, hey, this is the rank order in terms of who's the best uh, attackman and then go down from there. The goal really is to rank them in terms of if you're playing this team, how much do you have to pay attention to this attackman in all facets of the game? So my, my, the, the, the formulas end up considering things like points per game, Obviously, it considers shooting percentage compared to on-goal percentage, with the idea being the wider the gulf between your shooting percentage and your on-goal percentage, that should be a knock on your score to a degree compared to guys who have a solid uh, shooting percentage as well as a lower on-goal percentage. The idea being the more shots you put on cage that you don't score, those are going down as saves and the ball's going back the other way. Uh, so that factors into it. Uh, I also factor how many man-up goals do you score, how many game winners do you score, because some attackmen are threats in a six-on-six situation, but not so much in a man-up situation. Whereas other attackmen uh, are big time in terms of like having the rock at the end of the game and they score game-winning goals. So I I I, I kind of weigh those appropriately to what I think they should be. The idea, be, and then riding, you know, how many turnovers did you force compared to how often did you turn the ball over? How many GBS did you? You pick up. I try to rank all of those things so that you're covering kind of their hustle score is what I come up with. That covers kind of the riding game Uh, The hustle score covers the riding game. Uh, How often do they turn the ball over and how many GBs do they pick up? So they get a ranking for that, a score for that. Then they get the threat score, which is at what points are you a threat offensively? Are you a threat offensively all the time? Or are you only a threat offensively in six on six sets? How many man up goals do you score? How many game winners have you scored? Uh, So I take, and then we have shooting efficiency score. So those three go into what we're calling the lax factor score for that player. And uh, that's the idea. It's You're going to look at the list when it first comes out, and you're going to be like, why is Kyle Playstead ranked a- ahead of Pat Kavanaugh? The reason being, Kyle Playstead has less help offensively compared to Kavanaugh. Kyle Playstead has a much higher shooting percentage uh, compared to Pat Kavanaugh with a lower on-goal percentage in Pat Kavanaugh. So like we, it's not trying to say, for instance, that Kyle Playstead is – Better than Pat Kavanaugh. What it's trying to say is that in the context of a game, if you're playing Bellerman, you have to account for Kyle Playstead. Otherwise, he's going to put points up on you and make the game a little bit closer than it should be. So it's not a perfect metric, just like anything computer wise, any computer rankings that take judgment out of it. Uh, I, I say they take judgment out of it. It takes judgment out of it in the sense that I'm not just saying, here's my favorite guys we 're using statistical data to come up with this rankings, and the judgment is going into how we weight the statistical data so that 's the stuff that i 'm playing with, and I believe I should have that ready um, by uh, by this weekend, meaning we 'll start loading the data up for the first round of games and we 'll start you know looking at looking at what happened here, but everything so far i 've tested with the full season of last season. And I, I'm happy with where everything came out to a degree, and we'll see how that plays out here as we kind of do it live. So uh, by Sunday, I will have the data in. I'll share with you my top 10 from you know the, the teams that have played so far, and then we'll build upon it from there. And then the following week, we'll move right into midfielders and shit like that. So that's it. I'm going to shut the hell up and get out of here. Uh, as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. You can go to laxfactor.com, support us by buying some swag, or just by watching the videos through there share the crap out of the podcast with everybody. Be sure to come back Sunday morning, 10 a.m. The live stream will start at 10 a.m. on the dot, recapping all of the games that will be played on Saturday. And, uh, you know, be there for it. Ask questions, all that shit. Hit me up on social media. Ask me any questions that you'd like me to cover uh, in the uh, uh, shows that are coming up and all that crap. Actually, I did have a Q&A. Uh, someone had said, and it's uh, Jack Fisher here. I'm going to just bring this into the screen so you can see it. He says, thanks for the podcast. Comments it on your Insta uh, to get you black. I don't know what that means here. Uh, but question, what do you think about Duke preseason favorited to win the natty at plus three fifty? I don't see them losing a game with their roster and, uh, might put a bunch of money on that future. Also, what do you think about the Hopkins at, uh, uh, there's a three point favorite this weekend hosting Denver. Uh, in generally what I think about Hopkins is I already talked about that one, but in terms of Duke winning the natty, I mean, for sure they 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 have a really good run last year they bring back everybody i believe they bring back more talent and depth than what notre dame brings back so i have duke as my favorite i think that uh, i even said when i put notre dame at number 1 i actually don't think right now uh notre dame is the number 1 team they have some things to figure out i think defensively losing chris fake but the the core overall is just too good, and I think that you still have to reward them from last year. So I think Duke's the favorite. I think that Duke will probably win the title, but that's why you play the game, because the, rarely ever does the team that we think is going to win the title at the beginning of the season win the title. So that's it. That was the only question I think that I wrote up and actually wanted to talk about here. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, like I said, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., be there, be square. And I will live stream the shit out of the first recap show here. So that's it. Hoost is out. The The Lax Factor Podcast.